portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. Episode 29, July 1st, happy Tuesday, happy Tuesday, Liver. Tuesday, yes, a a, uh, a rare Tuesday night recording. We're burning on on all cylinders here, we're back up and running. Um, Good show last week, good time, man. I know you're, listen, I I thought last week was a great show. People I talked to loved it, but apparently only 22 people really liked it. Yeah, I, you know what? I think a lot of people are on break for the holiday. Um, it used to be like a holiday would come around, and you would take off like a half a day on the day before. Now a holiday rolls around, and the week beforehand is is shot, and the week after the holiday is shot, especially the 4th of July. So. Yeah, um, but I was I guess doing. People take their family vacations too. Yeah, school just let out. I think people were itching to, to hit the road. Um, but sure. I was doing some thinking. Now that we've got our new intro, um, we we have to come up with uh, a new show lead in because we don't have a lot of that buffer anymore that tells everybody that I'm Sanders and you're Liv. So uh, we're gonna have to introduce the show. We're gonna have to play around with that. But for for those just tuning in um, and aren't familiar with the dulcet tones of Sanders and Liv, just two, two sorry excuses. I'm Sanders. And I'm Liv. And we're ready to rock and roll. Special edition of Two Sorry Excuses tonight. As a matter of fact, dare I say three sorry excuses? Yes, three sorry excuses indeed. I think that's fair to say. Joining us for the first Pat, Pat. ever three-way. Take it away, Liv. Fat Pat, Patrick Mulrennan, pioneer of the Maymaster. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's quite an intro. I'm, I'm waiting for the house band to come up. <laughs> Don't worry, we dub that in later. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to convince someone. If some... not for the invention of the Maymaster, Fat Pat could have been a super senior like me. <laughs> yeah, you guys have Liv, you've tried to explain the Maymaster to me before, but what how does it go? I'll have Pat explain because he was the beneficiary <laughs> of the invention of the Maymaster, which was invented in May nineteen ninety nine. Explain it, Pat. It it absolutely was. Uh it, they may have seen me coming actually, uh, because <laughs> I was able to take a magic and religion class. Uh no joke, magic and religion. Uh, two weeks. It was eight hours a day, Monday through Friday. <laughs> immediately, the, like the Sunday after graduation. So you can imagine how great I felt on Monday when I had to go to that first class. Oh, so this is post graduation. Yes, I was technically a couple of credits shy when I walked. All right, because they they let you walk if you're within so many credits. Yes, and there's like that whole deal. Um, I could have walked in '98 because I was close enough to do it. Because I think it's if you're within 12, you can walk. I, I don't know. I, I actually graduated on time, so. Well, that's gotten you far. 
<laughs> that three dollars will get you a bowl of soup, my friend. <laughs> I actually had a professor when I was going through the line at Newhouse. It was the uh, newspaper chair at the time. Uh, shake my hand, and I was in his class senior year. I was the only senior with a bunch of juniors, and he walked through, and I got to. Him. I was sweating at this point, fearing that I didn't know what kind of grade I was getting in his class. And he said, well, you made it. Barely. <laughs> Let me go through the line from there. Uh, at Wait. least he said you made it barely instead of, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Not that so was, fast. That was the alternative. My parents were in the crowd asking why I had such a big smile when I uh, shook the hand of the, the shorter gentleman in the middle of the line. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't bring it to them to tell, uh, tell why I was so happy at that point. So wait, let's um, let's back up a little bit. What's y- your lineage runs almost like uh, almost like the like a WB sequel to to the lineage of 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 the original eleven oh six crew. Did you ever live in eleven oh six? No, I couldn't get enough guys together to do it. But your your you sandwich. Like tell their crew, Fat Pat, to get people together. They all had their own plans. But, yeah. You know those new house prima donnas. But you are a sandwich blue knight, <laughs> correct? I, I followed along with the uh, the Peters lineage, you, and, and I I even stayed with Brian Peters in my school visit. You're a Fagan's alum, correct? And a new house geek. Yep. And I played soccer with uh, Mike Peters. Played soccer at Sandwich High. Brian Peters played soccer at Sandwich High. So, yes. So a, here's a here's a question my, which we need to path. fill in on um, Sandwich High. Now that you mentioned that, it always blew my mind that Sandwich High had no football team, and their homecomings were celebrated around soccer games. <laughs> no, that's that's Sandwich changed. does have a football team now, right? It does, yeah. So do y'all have real homecoming now? Uh, you know what? I have not been back since uh, I was probably a freshman in college. Ah, oh, hometown boy made good and has never gone back. I think it's I think it's different in the Northeast than it is in the South. Well, I clearly, the big. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we. Yeah, any any school down here that doesn't have a football team probably has a whole student body that's wearing skirts. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> oh, Pat, you don't have to take that shit from him. My high school doesn't have a football team. Really? Yeah. Um, I went to an all boys Catholic school, so um, yeah. Most all would... boys Catholic schools in New Jersey are like awesome at football. I thought, what the hell was the deal with your school? All factories. Yeah, they. Yeah. Um, they in all honesty, I think it was because um, they didn't want to pay the um, you know the insurance and the and the facility costs. Um, yeah. You know, it was a it was a pretty expensive school, but. Um, I don't live. We've we've broken down the modern day costs of of Catholic education. Yep. It's nowhere near what it what it is now. But um, I think they tried Wait. to keep it reasonable. 
Can I call a time out for yeah. a second? Yeah, you sure. guys discussed that on your podcast. <laughs> we had a whole episode where we discussed our <laughs> high school experiences, I believe. Apparently, um, I, I clearly have not done my homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a week where we didn't cut the grass and we'd already decided what we were gonna wear to the upcoming weddings that we went to. So we had to yes. fill in the we had to fill in the gaps with something. It was when I had to go make phone calls for my school. That's how it came up. Wow, I believe that's what the I believe that was the genesis of that conversation. Yeah, and, and I had to hear all about um, Sanders's traumatized high school existence. <laughs> <laughs> I had no friends. He was a fat kid in the corner. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> he still had hair <laughs> and an undeveloped allergy to wheat. <laughs> <laughs> that would so not true. come on for another year and a half. That basically <laughs> summarizes my high school existence. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah. So well, another reason we have Fat Pat here today is because Fat Pat works for the NBA, and in an alternative universe, maybe the NBA will one day decide to have another Irish guy as commissioner. But <laughs> I doubt it. But in light of the recent draft and Tyler Ennis and the mellow things and everything, we figure Fat Pat's as close as we got as an expert I mean, on, uh, on those issues. It's been probably eight weeks since we talked any amount of sports, let alone Syracuse athletics. So when the draft was coming up, I actually had this idea uh, a while back, um, especially... You know, post-tournament, we started to kick around some mock drafts and talk about whether Grant should come out or not. And, you know, I thought to myself, oh, you know, it would be great if we get Pat on and we can talk a little draft, uh, you know, Syracuse draft. And, of course, like any good idea, it it, it just sat there and marinated for, for months. And the Tuesday before the draft, I said to Liv, hey, you know who we should get on? Let's get Fat Pat on. And Liv said, well, I mean, they just finished the finals two <laughs> days ago, and the draft is on Thursday, and I'm pretty sure he runs all that stuff. So basically, it's like his Super Bowl. So we kicked it around. Um, you were gracious enough to, to say that you were game, but it ended up working out better to get on and chat about a little post-draft analysis yeah i mean my uh my my expertise is going to be uh probably in the same vein of, of what you guys are reading as well uh wait hold on live were you reading anything <laughs> no i read nothing i did watch the draft actually at least from the 18th pick when tyler ennis was taken onward the other night okay so i got that going for me all right so so here's it goes pat you read something uh, Liv watched a little something, and I listened to Liv talk about what he watched. So this, that's gonna that's the that the is the scope of our synopsis and analysis of the NBA draft. So first, um, unless you unless you've got something on your mind, Pat, what um, what are your? Did you hear our chat, our pre-draft chat, chat about Ennis and Grant? Leaving early? No. 
so uh, I did not do any of my homework. Basically, we can summarize like this. Um, Ennis has to go. Grant should stay. We said Fair it enough. different ways, and we said it in a lot more $10 words than we needed to use. But that was basically Liv, Liv, the gist Liv's of it. Liv's known for that. <laughs> that, was, that was basically the gist of it. And I think that was the... That, $10 words. That was the popular opinion, I think, around Syracuse basketball circles. And I think the draft ended up showing that that was the case. Yeah, I, I you know the the one actually that stands out to me is, is CJ Fair, um, and and you know by by all accounts I believe he was also there uh, in in the arena that night, and I can only imagine what that feels like, uh, or can't even imagine what that feels like to kind of sit there and wait for your name to be called and not hear it called at all, and you yeah. know CJ CJ was a you know solid player for. That Syracuse team, he had the misfortune of, you know, finishing his time with Syracuse in for a draft that was chock full of uh, players, both domestic and international. Um, and I, I think that's that's one of the things that hurt him. And then the other thing is, I don't, I, you know, it, it's it's always been a question of kind of where would where does his size, where does his game kind of fit in for a team? Yeah, but, he's a classic tweener, right? Yeah. Yeah. For some uh, reason, I thought there was a chance the Spurs might take him because he seems like a Spurs type of player, you know? Yeah, especially when you watch that finals and you see yeah. that they're getting by with Patty Mills and uh, Danny Green and guys like that, guys who do, you know, one or two things really well. Uh, yeah. And you'd think that they could, you know, kind of fit a guy like CJ maybe into their system. Um, but they're also not the type of team to just throw throw a kid in there. Um, right well, who away. did he sign with for the Summer League? Is the Mavericks? Uh, I think that's right. And, I mean, you know, the Summer League's a, a great shot. Um, yeah. I'm actually out there in uh, two weeks. Uh, I'll say so. this much, though. Uh, you can tell me more. Uh, I mean, even if you're a late first-round pick, it doesn't necessarily mean you're playing in the league next year. I mean, they could put you on one of the developmental league teams. Um, I mean, and CJ might end up going that route, but I don't know. It might be better if he ends up being one of those guys in Europe or something because they got guys who are, uh, you know, guys who are in MBDL that could be making way more money in Europe. It just depends on what he wants to do, I guess, you know? We like to refer to it as the NBA D League. All right, <laughs> can we just call it D League? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. I, I actually, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think that he could either he could either go to Europe potentially. I would think that would be an option. It all depends on how things shake out for him in the summer league. Yeah. But you know, he could go to Europe and uh, where you know a player who's not at the NBA level is going to make more money than he would um, in the D-League, but at the same time, he's kind of stuck, you'd be stuck in a contract that you, you know, wouldn't have the chance to um, jump over to the NBA if there are injuries, and as you guys know, yeah. there's all injuries, so if he, if, he, if he plays the Summer League, gets in, in an invite to um, camp in September, 
uh, you know, has a fair showing there. No pun intended. Um, and then, <laughs> oh, that's a great job, great pun there, Pat. <laughs> you know what? I was. I love how quick you were on the pickup, Sanders. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Say what you will about the pun, but it really drew me back into the conversation. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, here's are, you saying, are you saying I'm droning on? But my no, point no. is, he could, he could stick in the D League, and I think he would be a high level pick for the D League if he doesn't catch on for um, for an NBA team this well, year. This might so be this might be a uh, a little before you guys' time, but he reminds me a lot of Lawrence Moten. I knew you were going to say Moten's that. Was my freshman year, yeah. in the sense that. That Moten looked like that he was running with molasses on his shoes, but he was always in the right place at the right time. He had kind of a sneaky yeah. quickness about him. His intelligence was extremely high, and he had uh, you know he had great leadership abilities. Um, you know he certainly was the class of the Big East in terms of um, you know scoring ability, especially from the outside. Um, but fair was kind of in that mold like he was always in the spot that he shouldn't have been there given his his physical talents or how his physical talents appeared you know a little slow a little short you know his shot wasn't as as uh developed as you know as you would think a player uh you know a four-year player at a major university would be but but all those things were true. He was that fast. He was that gifted, and his shot was that good. I just don't think that you know the that it's quite as high as it needs to be in this you know in this NBA. Yeah, yeah. And you forgot the uh, the key factor with Lawrence Moten is that he wore the uh, knee socks. <laughs> yep, which may Poetry have slowed him down. <laughs> He, he always looked like he was loping around out there, you know? Yeah, he just kind of had that look about him, but he was real, you know, he was real steady. He was very he put consistent. Some good time in the NBA with the Grizzlies, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, Vancouver yeah. Grizzlies, not the not the, yep, the Vancouver Grizzlies with a big country Bryant Reeves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Same as Marcus Canby. Not to be confused with big country Brian Annette. Is that Kevin Annette's older brother? Yeah, Kevin Annette's older brother, yeah. who was uh, a year or two older than I. And um, we dubbed him Big Country because he looked exactly like uh, Big Country Bryant Reeves. And he loved it <laughs> because he could play himself uh, his own theme song with uh, In a Big Country by, yeah, Big, by Country Big Country on self-titled <laughs> album Big Country. <laughs> Here's... Uh, we're in a big country where dreams stay with you. All right. It's uh, <laughs> a great song. Big country by big country. That <laughs> and that's all they had to do. Because yeah. when you're a one-hit wonder and your song's named after your band, that's all you need. That's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they must have known. They must have known they weren't going to do anything else. Uh, this is a question about the D-League specifics, Pat. So, like, Fab Mello was drafted in the first round, right, by the Celtics, was it? Yes. And he spent all his time in the D-League primarily, correct? Uh, yes, I'm double-checking. Right. 
his staff. But is but, he yeah. getting paid like NBA money in the D League, like these guys who sign minor league baseball contracts? Or so essentially, you know, any, the the key with the players um, who get drafted in the first round is that it's a guaranteed contract. All um, right, so he's out there making way more money than the other dudes. Correct. All correct. right. So uh, what does it? What does a regular D League like a D League jobber make? Like a guy who bust like James Sutherland worked his way into the D League, I think, and he was picked up by the Pelicans at some point last year. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm not sure the uh, the entire financial specifics. Okay, um, so apparently you're it, the wrong guy on the show tonight. <laughs> 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 they make millions. Maybe of we dollars. should have got one of the Jewish guys from the NBA. He could have answered all our questions. Pat, <laughs> this is where it starts to go downhill. <laughs> pretty I soon, think the intro is where it went down. <laughs> pretty soon, Liv is going to find a way to rag on Aaron Goldberg, and then you just got to let him go and hope you can reel him back in. <laughs> I think we got in some Aaron Goldberg ragging last week. We certainly did. And I'm did. sure Fat Pat would be more than happy to do some ragging on Aaron Goldberg. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, to fun- know Aaron Goldberg is to have an axe to grind with Aaron Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, fun fact here, guys. In uh, Following the 2012-2013 yeah. season, Mello was traded, Fab Mello was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies for... Dante oh, Green. He's for, uh, another Syracuse uh, guy. Dante Green. Yeah. Yeah. You know the um, the D League is littered with Syracuse guys. Yep, Syracuse yeah. guys are classic D Leaguers, huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Andy Routens was in there at one point. Obviously, McNamara was. Um, they had yeah. a team that had like two or three of them. I wasn't. Didn't uh, Devendorf even have a stint in the D League? Even even. Or played there. But he's like um, in New Zealand or something now, huh? I have no idea where he is. I think he might have been in New Zealand at one point. Yeah, he was definitely over there. I remember hearing about him. Now, I don't remember if I heard good things or bad things. I, I think I heard good things. Is there, yeah, is like there uh, any other option there? <laughs> Besides good things <laughs> and bad things? <laughs> I'm hearing so so things about Demon Book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That guy's pissing people off. He's not, he's not alive, basically. But I think he did all right in the New Zealand League. But they had a team. Well, it was one of these teams that, what are they named? Like the Rams or something like that? The Bighorns or something? That I think might have been a team that McNamara and Devendorf might have been on simultaneously. I don't know. I just know a few years ago, Pat would know more about that than me. There was a team that had at least two Syracuse guys on it. We do have the Reno Bighorns. Yeah, it might have been. This was probably, well, it had to have been before McNamara started working with the Syracuse team, you know? I say, I feel like uh, McNamara has been, with, uh, been on the bench for at least five years. Yeah, he's been on the bench a long time now. I mean, he left. His last year was 2006, right? Yeah. 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 Jeez. It's hard to believe. By the way, man. That, that's that that uh, fire engine is not from Hoboken. 
<laughs> the uh, loyal <laughs> listeners will know that sound as the Asbury Park Fire <laughs> Fire Department as it rings uh, true about 9.30 every night, um, whether we're recording or not. Unfortunately, I live, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, I live across the street from the Asbury Park Paid Fire Department, and it's also the first aid squad, so they go out on about... 15 calls a day. Oh my gosh. They only. Well, fortunately, it's the paid fire department, not the volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> so if your house burns down, they might actually be able to put it out. <laughs> um, they only blast the sirens, though, when we're recording Two Sorry Excuses. Ah, perfect. <laughs> For the listeners out there, tonight we are in three different. We are in three different cities. We are in Hoboken, Asbury Park, and uh, Metairie, a suburb of New Orleans. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Live Aid. You know, Will Smith is in Miami. Yeah. Bob Geldof is in London. Was Will Smith in London? No. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't imagine he was. You know, Willie Nelson's in Kansas. Something, <laughs> something like that. Willie Nelson's doing farm aid, brother. Probably. <laughs> Probably. You two is in Philadelphia. All right, I lost it. <laughs> yeah, you did lose it. That last uh, live aid, what was that? That was 2008, was it? Um. Yes, and I think it was called. Seven. I think I think it was called Live Eight because yeah, it took yeah, place yeah. at like the the Grade Eight Summit or or something along those lines. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it was like they were in Philadelphia, they were in London. Was it August eighth, two thousand eight? Is that what Google that tells is, you it is? No, I'm just guessing that. Uh, it it might have been in eight sit eight different cities. Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember, I think I was in Europe at the time, and they were showing it, like, on MTV, and they were all over the place. I know Philly was one of them. I'm sure New oh, no. York must have been one of them. It's, uh, it's actually 2005. Was that it? Yeah. And my memory has betrayed me. I actually have that entire concert on DVD. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm thinking? Good. Hold on. Um, Live Earth was the 2007 concert series. No, now you're just making shit up. Yeah, I don't know. No, it was. Okay. Live 8 was 2005, I guess. But Who played Live uh, Earth? Yeah, but I think it was... Um, okay. Oh, there is one. It was, it was an offshoot of Live 8. Live Earth... Developed to come back. Climate change. The first series of benefit concerts were held on July second, two thousand seven. Blah blah blah. Yada yada yada. Ah, whoa, this dog. Maybe it wasn't in Philadelphia, but it was all over the place, and that's what I was watching on TV. You know, and apparently this was the thing that was Al Gore was behind Live Earth. Oh, he invented it, like the internet. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, now I buy it. Now I, now I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. It was, it's the only reason why we're able to do a three-way I take five Live Aid concerts and the 2005 Live Aid concerts. And it was to be the longest show ever to be recorded in the world records. All right. All right. Well, that's all we need to talk about uh, 
live aid, live earth concerts or whatever now, you know. Let's um let's get back to uh a little Syracuse basketball. Uh, Tyler Ennis. We don't want to talk about concerts. <laughs> well, if we knew something about concerts, I think it would be worthwhile to talk about. But considering we don't know anything. For what it's worth. All I, right. I imagine at least 15% of our listenership goes, yeah, yeah, assholes. I got Wikipedia, too. Come on. Let's talk about something <laughs> that uh, I can't look up on my own. <laughs> we don't even go to, to, to um, you know... Just to, to other credible sources. We just hit Wikipedia. Yeah, Google and Wikipedia. You're it's not Done. credible? Right. Yeah. Um, It'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> um, all right, so Tyler Ennis, in some of the pre-draft um, mocks, was, as high as, uh, was high, as high as eight, which I could believe. I, I think nowadays, depending on the team, uh, a good, solid pass-first, heady point guard is a premium. So yeah. when when he was going as high as eight, you know, just kind of watching his game, excuse me, I thought, okay, that's that's realistic. He ended up dropping to 18, which I think is a pretty good situation for him. Yeah. But um, I, I don't, I didn't follow anything between those early, early mocks when, when people were... Uh, declaring and the late mocks right before the draft so i have no idea did he have bad workouts um did he just fall did other things you know did other underclassmen declare and kind of push him down like what was the deal what happened i didn't read anything about him uh i mean i think you know i I think with uh tyler you know one of the big things was you know when they were on when syracuse was on fire this season he was certainly being regarded as you know Top ten, top seven, maybe top five in some conversations. Yeah, pick. and then uh, you had a guy like Dante Exum come in from uh, Australia, who is total unknown commodity. But at the NBA Combine uh, in Chicago uh, about a month or two ago, he had a phenomenal workout um, and really, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, a lot of the people believe the hype. Um, so that's why he went, uh, forget the number, I think three or four to the jazz. Yeah. Um, and, well, and I mean, like, I, even like, um, it was Alfred Payton, you know, he was, no one was, yep. that guy wasn't on anybody's boards ahead of Tyler Ennis yep. four or five months ago. Totally. Totally agree. Um, and what was he but, taking? He was taking like 10th or 11th. Yeah. He was in the, I think top 12. Yeah. The Sixers took him and then traded him to the magic, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I I agree with uh, what you're saying, Sanders. I actually think he's in a pretty good situation with the Suns. Um, they've obviously got a, a great starting point guard with uh, Goran Dragic, who um, you know was arguably uh, comeback player of the year. Um, you know, he definitely was just a he had a phenomenal year. He was. He could have been an all-star. Uh, I think he was probably the, the last guy who, who didn't make the all-star team for the West. And, uh, you know, Tyler will get a chance to, you know, learn from him. And also the fact that he'll be coached by uh, Jeff Hornacek, who's, uh, you know, pretty solid guard in his own right. So I, I think that's a benefit all around. And it seems like the Suns have actually 
they've quickly turned things around. They were they're a, a solid young team. They've got the Morris twins. They've got Miles Plumley. Um, you know, I, I think as Eric Bledsoe. Uh, they've just got some really solid players, and I think they're going to. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's a good chance for Tyler to to learn. But I, I wouldn't expect him to do a whole heck of a lot. I don't expect him to come out like Michael Carter Williams did. I'll play it that way. Yeah. All right. So speaking, I know Toronto was. Toronto was really kind of cheesed. They were really hoping he was going to fall to them, which seemed like a match made in heaven, a guy from Ontario playing for the Raptors. Yeah, the, the whole, obviously the whole Canada angle, even, I mean, with a couple guys in this draft, you know, obviously starting with Andrew Wiggins uh, yep. being Canadian, and uh, there were a few more in the, in the draft. Yeah. Uh, uh, any, anywhere you go, you know, you always want to see that, uh, that hometown guy uh, you know, kind of be on be on your team, um, and I think that would have been would have been cool for. The I Raptors, think Tyler's going to end up being a solid pro though, because he has, you know, he's not like the typical Syracuse fizzle out type of guy. You know, he's a, you know, he's more of a mold uh, like a Sherman Douglas type of guy, a guy who knows his role is to make the other guys look good and distribute the ball. You know. Yeah, I could agree with that. Um, he's got a lot of scorers on this team. And they also yeah. they also drafted T.J. Warren, who uh, tore up Syracuse. Yeah, that guy's uh, really so, good. Yeah, um, you know they they've got a, you know they've got Gerald Green as well. Um, you know they they've got a solid team. Uh, I, I I could see him also being a guy that they uh, send down to the D League, and um, he'll be assigned uh, and you know just to get him playing time. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's, it doesn't that's do you any good to sit thing. on the bench in the NBA. No, no. I mean, I think to to an extent, you soak up yeah. you know some some learnings from the veterans, but really, it's it's all about playing. So yeah, and that's where I think the D League the, the the competition at the D League level is really improved year upon year upon year. Um, so it'll be interesting. Well, yeah, that's to see what it seems like. More players are deciding to stick around and tough it out in the D League for the chance to be able to sign to get. To latch on to an NBA team, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely starting to um, show that way from from uh, from my vantage point. Um, you know, definitely we there's there's a lot of good players in the D League that can uh, can help teams. I mean, they're not going to necessarily go right into start, but uh, they can certainly plug holes. Uh, you know, in terms of bench depth. Uh, speaking of the D League, I got to believe that the Front runner, the early front runner for D League Rookie of the Year, has to be Syracuse University's third entrant into the NBA draft, Jeremy Grant, who was the 39th pick, second round, something like that, yeah. of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, disappointing, but not shocking. Pal- no, I think that he's he's also a guy that you know. I I agree with what you guys were saying earlier. I, I thought he would stick around but then again he was another guy that I think had a lot of uh, hype around him um, and, and there were a lot of people talking him up and then at one point I saw a couple of draft boards that had him in the early 20s uh, yeah that mocks have him gone first round yeah so you know and, and I mean at that point you can't blame a guy for for coming out uh, and, and wanting to be in a draft and and get that guaranteed contract. Um, 
you know, I, that that Sixers team is uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you what. At this point, he's got a pretty good shot at making the active roster because well, half the team is on injured reserve or not slated to play. Yeah, explain that to me. How the Knicks? I mean, how the Sixers going to keep picking these guys, uh, these big men with with busted knees and feet and whatever? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of the, it's it's certainly a very um, it's a calculated risk, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, uh, pick one, I understand, but to go after a guy this year, come on. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where everybody thought um, Joel Embiid would would certainly slip in the draft when he when and then when he picked them at three. Yeah, um, everybody was was, was kind of shocked because you you had a feeling that they weren't going to pick Dante Exum because they already had a point guard, Michael Carter Williams. Yep. Um, you know so. Um, you know, going with Embiid. I mean, who's to say, you know who's to say though that you know I would maybe not this season, but maybe the season after that, Embiid and uh, Nerlens Noel playing together. You know, who's to say that they're not the the second coming of the Twin Towers or the or the Duncan Robinson yeah uh, short lived era. I mean, I so. think the fear is after like Greg Oden. Oh, know. absolutely. Any big man with with knee problems, foot problems, uh, what what's Embiid's thing? He's got some type of fractures, huh? It's a it's a foot thing. I think he's out yeah. uh, four to six or, or five to seven. Months. Yeah, I mean it's so. a casualty of being a big man, I guess. I mean, you look at Bill Walton; he was known for having bad feet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, but I feel like they had a fourteen draft picks. They had five second they, round picks. I believe they had a lot. They <laughs> yeah. had a lot of picks, and they and they they used a lot of them. Uh, although the guys that they used them on were mainly, I think, guys that they're basically just grabbing rights for. Um, for example, they got um, Saric, uh, the forward uh, from. He's Croatian. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't say Bosnian. The Croatians yeah. won't like that. Uh, yes, Croatian, <laughs> correct. correct. Trust me, I know many Croatians. They don't want to be called Bosnia. <laughs> Pat, one time, one time, I um, inadvertently, um, I inadvertently lumped together Austria and Germany, and we, I got a forty-five minute dissertation <laughs> on the difference um, between um, German, Western European, Germanic. Um, Relation, so just be lucky that you got out of it with Croatians <laughs> and Bosnians are different. Okay. Well, Croatians and Bosnians are a little bit easier to handle. Now, if you now if you start calling Bogdan Bogdanovic Croatian, that's definitely taboo because nothing a Croatian hates more than a Serb and vice versa. <laughs> Wow, you guys do cover a lot of ground right here. Oh my god, sometimes I get dizzy with the amount of shit that we cover. <laughs> yeah, like, you can never, like, uh, Jacob, the guy I work with, he's, he's, he's half Croatian, his dad's from Croatia. But you, you can never, like, openly say anything good about Novak Djokovic around those guys. <laughs> You know, if it's not Goran Ivanisevic, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, it's too bad we don't have our old opening anymore because I'd love to isolate that because that is phenomenal. 
Uh, I might go uh, grab that for something, and maybe we'll put it on a best yeah, of album. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, you can't you can't talk about them. Oh man, that was really cool. Can't even bring it up. Just be like, oh great, you saw. The only time I can come up, man, can you see? Did you see that Nadal beat Djokovic again? Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> just as long as the Serbs lose and they're happy. <laughs> uh, you talk a lot of tennis at the office. Uh, we talk a lot of everything. <laughs> <laughs> when does the law get produced? <laughs> the law. <laughs> we churn it out, it man. Never <laughs> the law wasn't getting produced today between 3 and 5 when I skipped out of there to go watch that soccer game. I'll tell you that much. Oh, all right. All right. I want to talk about the soccer game, but I got one other bit of Syracuse NBA um, chatter that I want to yes, get. Yes, the 900-pound uh, gorilla sitting in the room. Off my chest is the Carmelo Anthony's uh, exit or opting out of his contract in New York. And I hope he leaves New York. Now, Pat, you're... Do you? You're a, what's that? You do? I do. I okay. do. Why do, you, why do you hope he leaves? Because I think Phil Jackson could be good for Melo. Okay, that would be, that would be great. But here, here's the rub, is when he came here... I had to listen to everybody. The the summer before that was the LeBron um, sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. All of the assholes that I worked with in New York City <laughs> were convinced that the Knicks were getting LeBron. That was it. Put it put it in the book. This was it. This was the year the Knicks they were going to reign supreme. He didn't come to New York. They hate LeBron. He would have sucked here. It wouldn't have mattered. Who cares? You would have sucked there. Then they made a play for Carmelo, and I didn't want it to happen. Because, call it immature, call it a little bit of homerism, call it selfish, call it what you want. Melo is, is, is my guy. He's our guy. He's, he's orange. Yeah. When he came okay. to the Knicks, he became property of the New York Knicks, and the New York Knicks fans, which could be some of the most obnoxious fans in sports. People from New York? <laughs> <laughs> Not in the way a Jets fan is obnoxious. Jets fans are obnoxious purely in the white trash. Sense. You know what the most obnoxious thing about New York fans to me is? What's that? I don't think they really say it about the Jets fans, but if you talk... You watch a game involving the Giants. You watch a game involving the Yankees. You watch a game involving any of the uh, the Tiffany New York teams. It's always, oh, the fans are so educated. They just know so much about the sport. Yes, these fans who've never really played any of these sports because they live in an urban jungle know so much about football. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. And but they always talk about how... How educated they are. You watch a Yankees game, they're always talking, oh, they just know so much. They know when it's the right time to clap. Yes, because it's rocket science baseball. And so, you, so, you're, so you're talking about uh, Boston fans, essentially. Uh, the you Boston got something against Boston fans? Bring it up. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, you live there. You know, they're the most knowledgeable fans. Well, oh, yes, yes. They do believe they're the most knowledgeable fans. But here's the difference. <laughs> Having lived in Boston, and and believe me, befriending and, 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 um, and having a good number of mass holes uh, in my life, I, I think I can speak to this w- with a bit of a uh, being unbiased. 
the the difference between the the Boston sports fan and and the New York sports fan is forever they'll talk about how the New, the New York Knicks ticket is the hottest ticket in town when the Knicks are playing well. When the Knicks are playing well, there's no place like the Garden. When the Knicks are playing well, it's the hottest ticket in town. When the Knicks are playing well, there's no place like Madison Square Garden. The Knicks haven't played well in 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that must well, have been something. The hottest ticket in town in Boston is consistently the ticket for the team that's playing that night. There isn't. No, man. I've been to many of those Celtics games. Back before they signed the big three where you were sitting in a half-empty Boston Garden or TD Bank North, Fleet Center, whatever the hell it is. But you don't get the same vibe in terms of that fan base trying to sell you how great things used to be. Therefore, that's how great they will be again. Yeah. Do you know what I I mean? mean? Yeah. But I wasn't even trying to bring in the Boston fans when I was talking about that, Pat. I'm talking about if you watch ESPN or whatever, you watch Fox, you watch the broadcast of the games, they always, they will always talk about how knowledgeable fans are. They don't talk about how knowledgeable the Patriots fans are because they know that's bullshit. Uh, Red Sox fans are just that they're so passionate. They're so passionate about their Red Sox. But Yankees fans are knowledgeable. They're like Cardinals fans. I was just going to say, what about the Cardinals fans? Yeah, that's because they don't boo, and that's ridiculous to me. Yeah. But they're just so knowledgeable about the game. That's why they don't boo. They understand the way it works. <laughs> now, here's the problem I have with the Knicks fan. Is that they were ready to run Carmelo Anthony out of town when uh, Lynn Sanity hit. When Jeremy Lynn yes. uh, took over that team for that 17 or 18 game stretch, whatever right. it was. Yep. And Melo was, um, I think he was out, he was hurt. The, the the conversation sports talk radio was we have to dump Carmelo Anthony. They were they just wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. He he can't fit this system. He clogs the middle. You know, everything grinds to a halt. You know, mellow ball is not the kind of ball we want to play. We want to play, you know, Linsanity. And the you know, this idea that like not only what you've done for me lately, what did you do for me yesterday? And what are you going to do for me tomorrow? That's kind of the prevalent approach to the New York sports fan, especially when it comes to Knicks basketball. Um, because James Dolan has just run that team into the ground. He's basically just whipped everybody into submission. And it's a horrible, horrible franchise. I, I think Phil Jackson is going to make things right. I think that he's a good man for the job. But, um, you know, ultimately, I can't stand watching Mello be part of that. And, again, yeah. maybe that's, you know, well, maybe that's... Well, that's what I feel bad about for Mello. He seems to... He is... He he is the GOAT, man. He He's what they blame everything on. Not the fact that this guy's been running this team like hell for so many years and signing people like... Uh, like J.R. Smith's brother, who has to be the worst guy to ever have a contract in the NBA. Yeah. You know, and having Isaiah Thomas and bringing back Isaiah Thomas, who has no right to be in any NBA front office in any capacity. You know, so I understand what you're saying. And I think, I think Melo should go to the Bulls. You know, I don't know enough about the makeup of 
of really any NBA team to say where he'll be a good fit, where he'll be a perfect fit. You know, I think that he's got, you know, he's he's got enough star power and he's got enough game that, you know, you can build a team around him, but not in New York, not yeah. with not the way they're constructed, not with their fan base, and excuse me, it's certainly not as how they're going to treat him. So, um, you know, frozen ping pong balls aside, I, I you know, never happened. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that well, you know New York is poised to be, you know, to go on a run that that will kind of vault him to where you know he should be. I don't know if y'all saw the push that Chicago's making in today. Uh, for some reason, I guess I'm not able to send links in this call or whatever. But they had, uh, you know, they got uh, just Google Bulls and Carmelo because it was all over the news. They had the United Center. I'm sure, Pat, you must have seen this. It was uh, Mello written all over the uh, the electronic board. And they had him superimposed in a Bulls uniform and everything. They're making the hard the hard, hard push for Carmelo to sign with them. I mean, the Bulls, the Bulls are a great team, um, and they've got a great coach in Tom Thibodeau, um, you know, very defensive-minded. Uh, Derek Rose, you know, should be healthy by, you know, um, by next season. Um, or within he's recruited, next he's recruited so. Melo pretty hard, too, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what do you think Jer- about that? Tom Thibodeau is a defensive coach, and Melo's known for not playing defense. You know what? The, I mean, look at the guys that they have on the team. Though they've got Joe Kim Noah, they've got Taj Gibson. I mean, th- those guys, you know, they can do the dirty work while while Rose and Carmelo, you know, take over the scoring. Yeah, um, it's essentially what you know. Noah's just a huge energy guy. Uh, I mean, he makes all star teams based off of the fact that he's a double-double guy night in and night out. And, you know, talk about a guy that I had uh, no expectation coming out of Florida that he would be a good pro, much less an all-star. He's He's been fantastic. Yeah, no joke, right? Yeah. When he was at Florida, he was almost comical in, you know, in, in, in his presence, you know, he was always in the way. He was a high-energy guy. He was a hustle guy. But, like, totally unpolished. And I think some of that has to do with his physical appearance. I mean, God help the kid, you know? He's married. Uh, he's he's the he's the, the progeny of... of uh, Yannick Noah. Yannick Noah. Yes. And, and a supermodel mother. And he got zero of their combined looks. Yeah, he looks like he fell from the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. <laughs> He's so, too ugly to not be good. So when he came into the NBA, I, I think you know, I think a lot of people shared that sentiment. Um, but he's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. I mean, I think it would be a per- an ideal situation for Melo to go in. He's he he'd be on a team for the first time where he has. Um, other players around him that are able to, uh, you know, he had the the backcourt with him in New York was horrendous, you know, this past season. 
when he played in Denver, the high point was getting Iverson, who wasn't dying to spread the ball around or anything, you know. So that's his biggest problem. He's never had anybody but himself on the team, I think. He's got to yep. go there with players, man. That's where I agree with Jim Beheim. He's got to go to a team that has somebody around him to help him. Yeah, I could see that. I could see. Yeah. I mean, I think Chicago is the perfect setup for for any of those big players who are out there who are scorers. Yep, and maybe maybe then they'll have a team that can actually beat the Heat and get yeah. to the finals. So we don't have to see the Heat every year. <laughs> I have no comment on that. The Heat's good for business. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a company man. Company man. Yeah. Uh, speaking like of companies, let's uh, let's um, let's chat about a company we all belong to, and that's the company of America. Uh, that's the soccer game. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'll tell you what, man. Liv, I, I I know you've been lukewarm on the whole situation to begin with, um, and I don't want to say that I'm that I was. 180 degrees from you because I don't think that I was a um, you know a soccer apologist I don't think I was over enthusiastic I think I fell right where I normally should fall given you know kind of my history as a youth you know growing up with youth soccer um, you know being from Jersey kind of following it from afar but that loss today that was a pretty. That was. I don't want to say devastating because that's you know that's that's a little hyperbolic, but it was a tough loss. It was a tough loss, and I watched the game. And yes, I'm not the biggest soccer guy in the world, but we were lucky to get to extra time. They kicked our ass. The only thing that kept us in that game was the fact that our goalie was phenomenal. They dominated you know, the I game. Think we had like a record. What's that? Yeah, they totally dominated the game. Yeah, like they were just peppering. He had 16 damn saves. I think, Pat, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they said that was some type of record or something or yeah, at least the, the most m- in a long time or whatever. Something most. ridiculous. Yeah. Since yeah, the, the guy was standing years. on his head and our team, you know, they, the one chance we had, because that's the great thing about soccer, scoring comes so hard that you can get your ass kicked and still win the game. And we had that chance. There at the end, who is it? Wondolowski that yeah. missed that point blank goal. Of course, there's a debate whether the offside flag was up or not, but it's a moot point now. But you know, we were there. If he would, if he would have nailed that one in, we probably would have won that damn game with as much time was left at that point. Well, yeah, there was only about a minute left in yeah. regulation at that point, um, and then they, I think they only put on a, a minute for stoppage time. Uh, yeah, that was, was ridiculous. That, how preposterous was that? Yeah, that That's how you knew that that ref didn't want us to move on. Yeah. <laughs> he put him in stoppage time at the extra time when they scored three goals. Yeah, yeah, that That's was crazy. I was like, uh, how are you going to say there was only a minute stoppage? That was crazy. I, I, I am in the I am in the Sanders boat. On I, I actually love all things World Cup. So no, I know Pat, I, I you're, the other you're a soccer standard. guy. Yeah, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, it, it's all the matches so far have been phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and and the fact that we get to listen to um, announcers with British accents and Irish accents is the best. Okay, can I say something about that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. The, the whole 
I remember 1990 when they start broadcasting soccer. They used to have like this guy JP Della Camera, which was like the ABC ESPN soccer guy that did all the games, and he yeah. and he was American. And you know, you listen to it, and this is He's the way around. I feel about nature shows. Like when I watch these nature documentaries, if there's a guy with an American accent <coughs> who's narrating it, I'm like, this is bullshit. This is all lies. That's what I feel like when I hear a guy with an American accent announcing soccer. I'm like, oh, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I want to hear Ian Dark. I want to hear somebody who's talking like he just had high tea, you know, because then it gives credibility to the sport. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I get you. I get you. The, the funny part is watching today. Uh, I was watching with with Mary, uh, my wife, and uh, it, the funny part was when Ian Dark was just setting it straight, the fact that the U.S. was getting peppered, and she took offense to it at the fact, I, and I think it was really more the fact that he is a British guy. Um, you know, it's funny because I know the there's other people. Yeah, exactly. I know other people that took offense to him when he was talking <laughs> about the Belgians, you know. Yeah. Uh, how they were running us ragged or whatever, you know, and other people got pissed off about him criticizing us. Yep. He used a phrase that I'd never heard before, and I don't know what it means, and I still, I can't, for the life of me, think what the context was that he would use the phrase, um, like a floodlight robbery. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I I, I was watching the game, and I couldn't even contextualize it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you say they're getting peppered, and you never heard that before, but if you're like, oh, peppered must mean they're just shooting the ball at them a lot, and they just keep bouncing around. Okay, that's what peppered means. But a floodlight robbery, it didn't, I couldn't grab or grasp the, the the phraseology in terms of the context and the flow of the game. I still have no idea what it means. And you I know what? I heard it, but when did he say that? You, I, I don't remember. Yeah. And I looked. I watched the game with my dad. I've been watching all these games with my dad, and uh, we just kind of looked at each other, and you know, we just kind of giggled and shrugged our shoulders and went back to, you know, back to watching the game. But, so. Um, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was just saying that um, because uh, Google is so brilliant, um, you can actually type in floodlight robbery meaning. Okay. And it actually says floodlight robbery is bad refereeing that takes place in plain sight under the lights affecting the outcome. Oh, Oh, all right. Okay. All right. That must have been a bad call. And see when that would happen at that time. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't think the game was. I'm sure was... it involved the Algerian referee who Klinsman did not like at all, uh, being there, such as he said before the game. Because he could speak French. Spoke French and right. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Speaking... Uh, this is one thing. No matter how much you love soccer, whatever. The thing I'm not going to be able to wrap my mind around are the are these chants like this, like this. Uh, the bar I was at, guys start that chant, the I believe chant. Okay. Like, you go to a football game, the chant's just like, let's go on, you know? This I Believe chant, it, it's amazing that it actually is a chant because it reminds me of an old Conan sketch from about 10 years ago when they were talking about how to be good at, uh, good at, uh, good at games. And it's like, if you're going to lead the crowd on a chant, make sure it's something easy that they can just say and go along with. And the example was the guy, he's like, you can't just like go on. The guy was like, 
let's go Mets because we think they're great and we want them to win. And that's what the I Believe chant sounds like to me. Yeah, I'll agree. I think the I Believe is kind of weak. Um, it's terrible. But I guess that's a soccer thing to have awful chants. Or overly polite chants. Yeah. But is this right, Pat? Like other countries have like, they have like passages as their chants. Not like a who that or... Or, yeah, everybody uh, has their own little thing. I yeah. I, I like the I believe one. I, just because of the build up. Yeah, but that's the uh, thing. Like it's not like it's not like USA, USA, it's I believe, you know, it's this oath. You know, it's very odd. It's very odd to me. <laughs> I, I think when you put it up against, you know, some of the other classic uh, you know, international callings, um it, like Seven it, Nation it, Army. It comes up weak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't, I have no idea what Seven Nation Army is. I was going to ignore it, but then you giggled, so it obviously must be funny. Or at I least know it what means. Seven Nation Army is? What's Seven Nation Army? The song by the White Stripes. It's the hottest song at soccer games now. Oh. Uh, Lay's totally gone. It's all about Seven Nation Army. It is, it is pretty popular. Uh, it kills me because McDonald's has run that FIFA commercial that's Ole Ole. You don't hear Ole Ole anymore, you hear the Seven Nation Army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- that is true. Yeah. Uh, well, that's funny because in my head I hear Ole Ole Ole. I must be just replaying an old soundtrack or something. The soundtrack <laughs> of your mind, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, this is, uh, of course, this should stand alone. You know, it, it should be, um, you know, it's it's the World Cup. It's it's a special event. You know, soccer having its place in in. Um, United the sports. dogs also were not from Hoboken. The who? Oh, the dogs the dog, right, are the also, dog in the back. Right. Also, if you are a, a loyal listener of Two Sorry Excuses, <laughs> you will know the howling of Cash and Valentino, um, yeah. who are my dogs, who reside on the first floor. Um, I'm on the third floor, so you can imagine how loud they are in real life. <laughs> so do you have two new boarders in there now, or what? <laughs> No, I just have, um, I just still have the, the one. Um, I was looking for a second uh, for July, uh, but that did yeah. not pan out. So I don't know what I'm going to do um, going well, forward. Well, I know Pat, Pat, Pat and Mary have been looking to uh, take the family down for a trip to the shore. Maybe they can run out some space. Pat, are you looking for a little bed and breakfast action? I got an extra room here <laughs> that I'm looking to rent nice. out for the summer. He makes a mean waffle. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Is it called the Sanders Inn? Or, uh, it is. It is. Excellent. It, it's actually called Sanders Seldom Inn. <laughs> um, we give yeah, you, nice. you don't have a private entrance and you don't have a private bathroom, but uh, we do give you your own bicycle so you can, uh, you can pedal to and from the beach. Dude, bicycling through Asbury Park is damn fun. I, I can personally attest to that. So, so you're saying my eight-month pregnant wife and my twenty-month-old uh, daughter would wait, have wait, wait. Blood. Oh yeah, I did learn this. Your wife is pregnant again. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you're yeah. having another little girl, Sorry, right? I haven't been keeping up. Yeah. I haven't been keeping up. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Oh man, appreciate that. What are you gonna do? Bye. He's he's freaking Irish, and now he's in his late thirties. He's gotta start pumping him up right away. <laughs> Although he's, he's got work to catch up. Although a boy named Fagan would, I thought, I think would have closed the circle um, quite nicely. That would have been phenomenal, yes. With Fagan yes. and Lucy Mulrennan. 
I'm, I'm trying to get her to um, really enjoy it. She's got a very a big stuffed uh, Otto the Orange. Um, so I just got her to say Otto. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, so that, wait, that Pat, worked out. you know what the baby's going to be? Yeah, we're having another girl. Okay, okay. I missed that part. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, where's, your wife, where's your wife? Where's your wife? No, no, I don't mean like that. But you know, I don't. Oh, from a vegan, from a vegan's perspective. What perspective? From a, from being able to name it, uh, name the boy Fagan. Well, yeah, from that perspective, and like you know, the whole like giving the kid a glove perspective. Of course, you're gonna love what you got, but you can't tell me that you're not hoping to get a boy. Uh, if, if if we have a boy, we're gonna name him Klaus. <laughs> Sour Klaus the Bar Nazi. Brilliant, uh, brilliant. <laughs> Pat, where did where did Mary go to to college? Uh, BU. Uh, not Baylor University. No, no, Boston. <laughs> Boston University. Is she from Massachusetts as well? Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Now, what's that? See. Ange didn't go to a major university, so she kind of latched on to Syracuse as her home school. BU is big enough where it's got its own identity in Boston, but in terms of uh, you know of their athletic program, you know they're they're mid major at best, right? Except yeah, for hockey. Totally. So how does that go down? Where you know obviously the the familiar rooting interest has to be the orange. Yeah, it works out pretty well, actually. Um, you know, Syracuse is on uh, 100% of the time in the New York market. So, uh, you know, and BU is on 0% of the time. So, you know, it's uh, it worked out well for me. <laughs> All right, good. Good. And the kids, you've already started the, uh, um, the orange um, future alumni fund. Yes. So yes. They're, all, they're all set. Class of, which will cost it will cost one point five million dollars for a four year <laughs> education at Syracuse University by the time packed kids are old enough to go there at the going current rate. Seriously, put a left handed golf club in your daughter's hand right now. <laughs> yes, this way you That's got everything that covered. Or a tennis racket. You, right, exi- put a put a tennis racket in the right hand, a golf club in the left hand, and a camera in front of her. <laughs> gotta make that money somehow whether it's sports <laughs> acting or whatever YouTube uh, I'm gonna make her own highlight reels and everything uh, nice you know what I heard is, is um, pretty um, pretty popular is get her to say and do inappropriate things that <laughs> like an adult would normally do and then put it up on um, on Facebook and a lot of people like it they have this thing, this little button where they press it and it gives it likes. And then it'll go viral and then she'll get on uh, Ellen DeGeneres and then she'll be an international superstar. And yeah, then, you gotta uh, have her like doing the taxes or something. Yeah. Frustrated about it. Right, right. Like she yells at you for not yeah. itemizing your receipts. Yeah. Damn um, it, I gotta find more deductions or something. Right, but you, and give her little glasses, you know, like mm-hmm. perched on the end of her nose. Like that's the only way that that you're going to be able to pay for her college, Pat. So you got to work this angle. I like yeah. this. I like this. Uh, we, we have it all figured out. Yeah, and, and, and we'll get and we'll get the it. standard five percent cut. <laughs> I mean, each, you know, because that, yes, that total's yeah, ten. Split the ten. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, don't don't I get something for being on the program today? Uh, you get a golf a two-story excuses golf bag, which. Um, <laughs> 
is being sent to you in the mail, and it should arrive just in time for you to win a Holly Hog golf bag at this year's Holly Hog uh, Invitational. So, you know, the, speaking um, of I'm Holly missing, Hog, I'm missing it this year for the first time in uh, about 12 years, I think. Wait, what? Are you missing it because of the baby? Uh, no, I have a wedding the same day. Oh, oh, damn. Yeah. All right, because I was debating whether I'm going to go or not. I mean, I just I just went to a wedding last week, you know, which kind of kills the budget. Yeah. Especially when I got to fly everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Carlos really I'm nudged me up. You should go. Sanders, yeah. I think you should make it run there, too. When is it? It's August. Uh, this year it actually works second. out because it's the second week of August, right, Pat? No, it's August 2nd. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Because it's not the first week, so it really works yeah. out for me. But the problem is, you know, trying to find a budget to make two trips and and a month and a half is pretty damn rough, you know. Whose wedding did you go to? A uh, buddy of mine from uh, from law school, Ben Sislin. Uh, if you would have been paying attention to the podcast, you would have learned all about garden party attire <laughs> and backyard barbecue casual attire. <laughs> Episodes 27 and 28, we 28. covered it. <laughs> I got to go back and do my homework. Uh, you can go to the website at twosorryexcuses.com and look at pictures. <laughs> Apparently, I pulled off garden party uh, with great aplomb. <laughs> and if you are interested in purchasing any of Liv's attire, you can click on the Amazon link on twosorryexcuses.com and your old pals at TSEC will get a little something for your efforts. Yep. Like two cents a click or something like that. I don't know. Excellent. Yeah. I, I'm looking through it right now. Oh, nice. Good. Now from, from now on, whatever you order from Amazon we're, for 30 days, we're going to get that cookie. <laughs> there you go, Liv. That's yeah, we got to monetize this thing. That's it. You're going to go to Amazon anyway. You know, this you might true. as well go through twosorryexcuses.com. You know? Uh, now this is where we're getting into, like, the public broadcasting thing, you know, where we start paying for money. We can't Sorry. bring you shows like this without your support. <laughs> <laughs> we can't bring you great programming like this. And that's what really sucks because it's like, oh, good, something's good on PBS tonight. You turn, I'm like, oh, I was fooled. Of course, it's fundraising. They only show the good shit when they're raising funds. <laughs> you know, it's like the history of female nudity, and then they break in right away. You know, <laughs> Paul Simon concert in the park. Yes, and then they break in. Anything cool. Oh, the last known interview with John Lennon, where he tells you the real reason the Beatles broke up. And then they break right in. Hey, you know? speaking of PBS, I've got a, a new show that I, I want to launch um, called um, This Orange Life. This and, Orange Life. And what I do, it's a solo venture, Liv, I'm sorry. But um, I go <laughs> I and I, that then. I interview uh, former uh, Syracuse alumni and find out what they're up to. <laughs> My first guest, of course, would be... Me? Lee Zurich. Uh, Lee Zerick. <laughs> Do you know anything about Lee Zerick, Pat? Uh, the name sounds familiar, but I don't know if I know the backstory. He's probably one of the proudest graduates of the Newhouse School. Wow. <laughs> Peabody That's Award impressive. winner, Edward R. Murrow Award winner, and Two Sorry Excuses patron saint, yes. Leroy Zerick. 
And wow. he's probably right. completely oblivious to the idea. Well, he might have some idea now because I think uh, there has been some communication between a listener and his sister-in-law. But I don't know how far down that's made it to him or what has made it to him concerning it. You know, um, And I haven't received any restraining orders just yet. <laughs> um, hey Pat, you were trying to interject, but we don't shut up, so um, you <laughs> no, really didn't get a shot. I, I got on the I got on the website, and the last picture I see from the uh, 2014 Summer Men's uh, Fashion Guide page is the Sanders shirtless live uh, photo from the Hollyhog. My <laughs> last appearance at the Hollyhog. When was that? That was both of our last appearances. That was 2011, I believe. Yeah, okay. sounds, sounds about right. You used to come up consistently with Josh, right? Um, with my brother Josh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he loved it. And um, that particular year, um, I came up with my father-in-law, Vito Palumbo, and yeah. I managed to get absolutely snookered. <laughs> Fell asleep on a hammock. Had to be walked carried next to the the picture actually yes exactly Yeah, but i do believe you first fell asleep on the tree before we pushed you into the hammock (laughs) liv likes to point that out i don't know if that's ever been documented but um it was documented photographically uh i had to be dragged back to the uh, what's the place where we all got thrown out of for peter's wedding oh that hotel yeah, what's the sandwich what inn? That was it. Was the sand? Was it the sandwich inn? That sounds about right. It's got the pool inside of it. Yeah, I think it's called uh, the sandwich inn. Yeah, that we'll go with that because who's going to call us on it? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. The Peter sandwich is vouching that that's what it was. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we have an authority here. Perfect. Um, we stayed there, but I stayed under a pseudonym because the last time I had been there was for the peter's wedding and we all got the cops called on us so i couldn't stay there under my real name and they brought me in and plopped me on the couch and uh i fell asleep and we took off in a patented sanders move i get up at the crack of dawn on the day i need to travel and i just hit the road you know i'm not a stay around you know don't let sun don't let monday ruin my sunday kind of thing too late Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they've all ruined my Sunday. So the vodka, the 14 vodka grapefruits I had before the 24 <laughs> vodka grapefruits that I finished with ruined my Sunday. So I ended up having to drive back in a pouring rainstorm in my brother's, I don't know, whatever he had, ec- uh, Explorer, Expedition, some oh. ridiculously big, non-responsive steering um, machine, and they just kind of slept and i drove the entire way back to new jersey it was absolutely miserable and for the third time i i claimed that, that i would never set foot in sandwich massachusetts for a hollyhog again <laughs> but i say that brother just sits there and cracks up at your antics the whole time like the whole from the day from like the moment the day started where you weren't even completely you know you were just starting to get drunk you're, you're Josh just sits there laughing every. <laughs> oh man! At every moment, you know, it's, and when it reached that point, like, you know, that's that's what amazed me all about that. Not that Josh was laughing at, it, of course, but Vito's good-naturedness about it all. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Vito is a... Um, he, he likes to mix it up. We have a good time when we get together. We went to a uh, family vacation down to Mi- Dominican Republic a couple years ago, and yeah. uh, he and I ended up getting in trouble because we stayed in the pool drinking while we were supposed to be getting ready for like one of those fancy dinners. Yeah. So his wife, my mother-in-law, Ange, Ange's brother and Ange's sister-in-law, are all decked, ready to go, <laughs> and here we are soaking, sopping wet, Drinking nice. rum punch drinks in the pool, and we hadn't left the pool in about four hours. <laughs> so, you were like, like California raisin at that point. what's that? You were like a California raisin at that exactly. point, exactly. Yeah, as I was saying, all pruned out, yeah. yeah, drunk as a skunk and wrinkly. So, needless to say, they weren't too happy with uh, with our shenanigans. But that's with your bald head, you must have looked like a penis. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I uh. I kept my head above water because I had a hat on that shielded me from the sun. It was one of those big, um, you know, kind of like those um, rice paddy hats on, almost like a sombrero, but a little more stylish. Okay. I love the idea that you and the father-in-law get in trouble for drunken antics, <laughs> letting down the whole family. Uh, good times, good times. Good times, good times. Well, boys, this is... Uh, it's been a really, really good, really good time, man. We uh, we covered a lot of stuff. You got anything else, Liv? Uh, not too much else. I guess we can talk about Fat Pat uniform. All right. Can we just right. say what the Fat Pat uniform was? Yeah, I didn't. Um, I had no idea that there was such a thing as a Fat Pat uniform. Apparently, but- Fat Pat didn't either. I thought he would have. I thought we might have. Thought we might have disclosed it to you, but then I realized it probably would just come off as mean and dickish. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I I think that's that's entirely true. I had no idea I was wearing the same exact clothes. It was the brainchild of Shaggy who had a quite dickish tinge to him, no matter how great of a guy he was. (laughs) Shaggy's Shaggy's the best. Originally, I believe you used to wear the white Syracuse hat, did you not? Um, yes, I and had I that. And I was replaced later by that blue UVA hat with the V with the crossing swords. Correct, I had that, yep. Yes, and, then- and you used to commonly wear a lot of plaid, checkered <laughs> uh, shirts. It's slimming, it's slimming. Yes, with the jeans and the brown shoes. Shaggy was like, fat, fat uniform. I wore, I wore boots every single day of, of my yeah. entire tenure at Syracuse. Oh, that was good times, good times. Yeah. I think I think the uh, UVA hat was replaced by a white Fagan's hat with a blue hat. Yeah, yeah, it must have been replaced by the Fagan's hat later on. I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, if we go look at it, I'm sure we all had our uniforms. I mean, I know as long as it was shorts, whether my uniform was basically like a a polo shirt and shorts and flip flops or or sneakers or whatever. But polo um, shirt, come on, you're giving yourself too much credit. It was like a Calvin and Hobbes T-shirt and uh, yeah. You know, well, I, I considered it being dressed up to go out if I threw in a polo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> If I could throw on the polo shirt, that meant I, I was ready to go out. But yeah, I was t-shirts most of the time. I'm trying to find a picture of the Fat Pat uniform, but I'm having a really hard time going through. Oh, I finally have come across the Syracuse file. This might be the worst thing that could happen to you. But 
<laughs> to me or to all of us? To, well, some of these things are terrible. There's, these are pictures that were all in an album. A lot of you remember the album we had. We, no. we kept an album of pictures that we took in that house, and then over, I think Shaggy and a lot of those guys stole pictures out of it. But I I ended up with it and I gave it to Stevo some years back, and he scanned whatever was left in there. But they do have some classic pictures in there, like Crying Fat Girl, um, some classic Goldberg pictures and Stevo pictures. I know we have shots of you. We got some great pictures of uh, Goldberg writing on BP's face. That was probably his 21st birthday, for all we know. Whatever. But I'm going to have to dig through here. Um, but, but, yeah, that's why we never brought Fat Pat uniform. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, now, now do you have something to say while we wait out Sanders' return? Um, the... Were you going to talk about Cosmos? Yes, we do need to bring up Cosmos. Uh, that- Sanders is going to have something to say about this, but uh, did you read the article, Pat? I didn't see it yet. No luck. All right, well, you can describe to the audience Cosmos or its placement in Syracuse history or lore. I mean, see, this is where I actually fall on probably the the other side of the aisle in that it was it was good it wasn't mind-blowing pizza no um no it was great slice at one o'clock in the morning but see i feel like i always ended up at acropolis anyway oh yeah i I used to end up at acropolis with the greeks yeah well cosmos is they were all greek that's what's very weird you know (laughs) the dellis brothers uh the guys that ran acropolis Cosmo, they were Greek. I'm sure the guys that ran Archie's were Greek. Archie's Greek. Yes, they were all Greek. All the pizza in Syracuse was Greek. <laughs> I was never um, a big Cosmos fan. Yeah, I went see, literally. One see, t- what I loved about Cosmos freshman year, you know, when you have no money, me and my buddy Ryan would go there all the time. And we'd always go to THB. THB and a cup of coffee, and, I, and they'd give us the check, and it would be $1.61, I believe. I used to be amazed at how cheap that was, you know, and and it and it was as happy as you could be at ten o'clock at night when you're eighteen, you have no money, you know, and you sit there and they keep and they keep filling your cup of coffee. <laughs> I went to uh, Cosmos exactly one time in my four years, and um, I happened to be taking mushrooms <laughs> with. <laughs> With three other gentlemen who will remain nameless, in a snowstorm in Syracuse in the middle of winter, we went <laughs> into Cosmos, ordered breakfast, put a quarter in the jukebox, which was yes, they had the tabletop jukebox, the tabletop too. jukebox, and chose my song, which was "The Lion Sleeps Tonight." you know that song. Yes. All right. Yes. The song never came on. Didn't play for whatever reason. It was fine. I was on mushrooms. I had other things to entertain myself with. We ate our breakfast. We had some coffee. We sat there. And at a point where we had nothing else to talk about or nothing else to, to observe or take in, the song kicked in. And it was the most magical moment of my entire four years. At Syracuse. 
So much so that I never went back to Cosmos. And you and you have a problem with Cosmos. That's it. No, Cosmos wasn't like, you know, it wasn't four-star dime, but it's a classic university place, you know? My real uh, problem with Cosmos um, is Crazy Carrie. Well, oh, she worked at Cosmos? She worked at Cosmos. Uh, they had great malts. <laughs> yeah. It, listen, it was a good... I went back afterwards um, when I was up there. You know, for breakfast on my way out of town or something else, and I had wished that I had spent more time there. You know, it was a good, legitimate little diner. Um, I, I agree with Pat. I, I, if I was going to go get pizza, I was going to get pizza somewhere else. But Liv, I also think that you're spot on. If I was going to get a cup of coffee and a toasted honey bun, um, you know, and a little breakfast fare, mushrooms or no mushrooms, didn't matter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'd go to Cosmos. I so I what was your pizza of choice? That you bring up is Acropolis still there, Pat? Sanders, anybody know? Um, Acropolis. Yes, that was the big one where you um, you yeah, walked you in the center. The yes. Yeah, that's Acropolis. That's still they there. They had good pizza. Acropolis did have good that pizza. That was my pizza joint. Um, although freshman year, I went to a place called Papa's Pizza, which is where um, Jimmy John's is now. Oh, okay. It also used Jimmy John's? Jimmy John's is right next to... Um, so right there's the... Cosmos the, area, right? It's like right next to 44's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to go to this waffle place that I saw in that diners, drive-ins, and dives place. Apparently, it's where it's like I guess where Sutter's Mill was or whatever. You know, it's in that little building. Oh, it's called Funkin' Waffles. It's yes. a music and joint. Yes, and I saw it on there, and I, and I only saw the very end. And I was watching. I was like, I wonder where that place is. And I looked it up, and I was like, Wait, that's in Syracuse? And I was like, Wait, that's in the university area? I was like, I gotta <laughs> fucking make it there. Yeah, that the whole the whole Marshall Street area is is really. 180 from when we were there. We yeah. had four or five pizza joints. We rattled them off just now. I think there's one. I think we Acropolis. Acropolis <laughs> is still there. Varsity is in and of itself. That's like, that's a whole other scene. Yeah, I, that's a Dallas Brothers property there. That's yeah. The, that is the heart of the Dallas Empire. That is the heart of the Dallas Empire. That is the wellspring <laughs> from which it all grew. <laughs> I thought it was um, the teacher business. I would have went with um, what's the wiener joint? Hot, the hot Hofbra dog. House. Yeah, but I think uh, Hoffman's hot dog house. But I think Varsity was the first thing, first yes. food yes. service thing they owned in the university area. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, Acropolis. I remember going there as a freshman, completely blitzed. Because you remember you going to Acropolis and that dude was always as there. A freshman? He was completely unflappable. He was always like, "Yes, what do you want?" You know? Like he was, he was so like you know, completely expressionless. And I go in there one day, I'm all fucked up, and I'm like, "I love you, Greek bastards!" You know? <laughs> and I'm like, "You're the greatest, you Southern Europeans!" And he, and I'm going all over this, and he's, he's looking at me. He's got kind of a wry smile. He's like, "What would you like?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's nothing you can do to get you kicked out as long as you got money to buy your pizza. <laughs> this is true. Uh, uh, so I did love Acropolis. That was a great scene, you know. And I can't remember how many times I popped in out of those places, you know. when they're Because um, Acropolis used to, I think they might have stayed open till three. They did. They were yeah, the only ones that were They were a place to go after. after the bars closed. Yep, exactly. Yep. Um... I guess we don't have much more to say, but Cosmo's apparently... Old man Cosmo died last year. 
I think January 2013, and apparently there's a for rent sign on the building, so it looks like, you know, as they say in New Orleans, like especially after Katrina, this became a big thing, ain't there no more, you know? <laughs> Eventually, Cosmos will be another ain't there no more business, just like 44's ain't there no more, and and whatever, Archie's is a Starbucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, so ain't there no more. And just one little bit about Orange and pop culture. I meant to mention this last week. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine at all? That's the Andy Samberg show? Yeah, Andy Samberg. You've seen it. Both of y'all have seen it, correct? No, I have not. I have not seen it. But you've seen it, right, Pat? Yep, I've seen a couple episodes. So they're showing all the reruns since it's the summertime. I haven't watched. I've seen probably like five or six of them. But they went on about two weeks ago, and... Terry Crews plays Sergeant Terry Jeffords, and it came out in the episode that he played linebacker at Syracuse. <laughs> His character. Even though the real Terry Crews played at Western Michigan, Sergeant Terry Jeffords is a former Syracuse linebacker. So, um, we got that going for fun us. To see. It's always fun to know what shows are staffed with Syracuse alum. I like it. Yeah. I uh, don't really have any anything new to say. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to make it to Hollyhog. Uh, maybe Pat will be able to be on that bus trip from Jersey to Syracuse in 2015 to see uh, the LSU game. What do you say about that, Pat? Oh, when 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 is that? September 26, 2015. I got you. Got a whole 14 months to prepare for this. Oh, 2015. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to leave somewhere from. Um, like the um, uh, Vince Lombardi service station right over the Perfect. GW Bridge. Yeah. Um, you know, this way Liz Stillman can get a shuttle from Midtown Manhattan over there. <laughs> and then me, you, Liv, and Liz Stillman can take up uh, a bus, yep. record a podcast, see the LSU game, go to Fagan's for a post game, and then turn around and come back home. We're going to be like on show day. 90 by then. <laughs> Maybe we can time it to make it the the one hundredth uh, episode. It might be the one hundredth. I haven't done all the math yet, but uh, <laughs> I know fifty two weeks from now makes it eighty one. You know, uh, so fifty two weeks from now would be July first, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, so it might be nineteen. Well, what's so then you go all through July, all through August. So that uh, it's not going to be a hundred, but uh, we'll start. How about we start doubling up? Yeah, we'll just start doing two shows. We'll we'll just cut up every show so they're only thirty minute long shows. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out two episodes for this one. We're we're at forty five. There's we're an hour and a half. I'm gonna put out forty five minutes each. Part one. This is gonna be our signature. This is gonna be our signature event, other than the um, the the other planned trip to the Syracuse Georgetown basketball game in DC or whatever I don't know we have so many damn events <laughs> we got twenty two people downloading the show and we're and we're booking all these special travel packages for a show that makes no money. <laughs> well, then on that note, we'd like to thank uh, Pat. Yeah, for thanks, thanks, Pat. thanks for up. coming in, man. Thanks really for appreciate it, man. Um, any you're welcome back. Decision. You're welcome back anytime, my friend. Excellent. I look forward to it. Liv, on that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo.